It's good to be here tonight. Before I start off on a little tirade, I want to send a special thank you out to Linda McMahon. Because I was sitting at the house and the phone rang and she says Stone Cold. And I said, what? This is Linda McMahon. You want to be the co-general manager of Raw? And that was an easy question to answer. I just got the phone a little closer to my mouth and said, Linda, oh, hell yeah. Oh, hell yeah. The co-general manager. And at first I said, okay, I'll be the co-general manager. I'm just going to kind of take it easy and just kind of cruise in and just make a low-profile deal. And I said, well, hell. Uh-oh. I kept thinking about it, and I kept thinking about it a little more, and I said, well, why don't we go out there and make us a low-profile deal? I ain't never done nothing low-profile in my life. <laughs> Isn't that, that right? Yeah, not his nature. Certainly not so, his nature. as a treat to myself, tonight, right here in the middle of my ring, oh. I'm going to throw the biggest damn beer bash in the history of Monday Night Raw. What? going to have a beer bash. A beer bash? Wait a minute. I might drink about a case of beer. No, I'm gonna drink about two cases of beer. No, I might drink three cases of beer. Oh my gosh. And it ain't just gonna be a party. This is a stone cold beer bash. Stone cold beer bash. Now, okay, enough with the celebrating and patting myself on the back. People paying money to see me in a 20 by 20 ring. since 316. <laughs> Let's get to the business end of this. There are a lot of things that were done when uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin was sitting at the house and a lot of things I didn't really agree with. A lot of things I thought, I thought were uh, really stupid ideas. One of the stupid ideas was when uh, some jackass abolished the Intercontinental title. What? The damn Intercontinental title has been one of the most important titles I've ever won in my life. And it got abolished? So, one of the things I want to mention tonight, and it's going to be one of many probably, is that Judgment Day, there will be a battle royal. Uh-oh. And the winner of that battle royal uh -oh. will be the new Intercontinental oh. Champion. Not wasting any time, that is for sure. Now, all you got to do to enter this contest, if you were a former IC champion on Raw. You think they like the new co-general manager here on Raw? Well, thank you very much. But if you're a former IC champion on Raw, then you can enter this tournament. Winner of the battle royal will be the champion, and that's a judgment day. That's a judgment day. That's a little bit down the road. I wanted to do something right here tonight. Oh, boy. <laughs> I thought you was going to be Something good. that should have been done a long time ago. 
Welcome back to another edition of the 20 by 20 Ring Crew. I am here with Matt and I am Joe. Coming back at you again this week for another episode. How you doing, Matt? What's going on? We are all in, sir. That we are. Ladies and gentlemen, we are officially all in. We'll be there September 1st at the Sears Center in Hoffman Estates, which is a suburb of Chicago. For those of you who don't know what we're talking about, it is the biggest independent wrestling show. Well, I don't know about biggest, but most anticipated. It's got to be biggest. Yeah, I would I would think so. 10,000? 10, 10, well, I, I mean, I, I looked at this... The, uh, the other day, All In, and this is from multiple sources, but I could be wrong. The first uh, show outside of uh, WWE to do 10,000 here in the United States since, um, uh, since WCW. That was, what, 1993, I believe? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's a pretty big deal, ladies and gentlemen, no matter how you look at it. And this is not, again, this is not a company doing this. These are three guys. Three guys. So... <laughs> That's uh, if if you uh, if you're on that WWE bandwagon, you're gonna you're gonna you know scoff at this and say no big deal, but you're gonna be in the minority in that case. This is a huge deal for professional wrestling. Definitely, we're ecstatic. We ended up going through StubHub to get tickets, but we're ecstatic. We're gonna be there and uh, we're gonna have have a hell of a time. Well, why did we have to go to StubHub? I mean, I mean, I, this is a show according to the the Bucks and Cody. They were projected to sell 4,000 tickets in the first week. In the first week, This right. is from their, their their mouths themselves. What are we, tell let's them, see. Tell uh, them what happened. 49 minutes. We're, we're well, it sold out in 30 minutes. minutes. Oh, jeez. It but, sold uh, out in 30 minutes. I don't minutes. know if we could officially say it. It is. I just it's tried to buy a ticket. I think we, I think we have to technically we just, wait until we get the call yeah. from the box office. But it looks good. It looks like it's it sold like out. the hype has uh, lived. And, uh, it's, so it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. It wasn't that crazy of a chance. I said, all, right? well, when we were in the car, I had a feeling. I told you, I said, it's going to sell it today. I, just I, knew, had, yeah, the, I didn't know it was going to be in, in less bu- than an hour. The buzz but, going yeah. into the press conference was like, oh, man, I could actually feel it. Yeah. It, uh, it, it felt like something, you know what I mean? And, uh, I don't know what to say. I, I feel happy. I feel so, it's like, for me, it's almost a bittersweet because a lot of the resellers are getting these tickets. Yeah. And I saw on Subhub there's $1,100 front rows, and that's not what we wanted. But you know what, like... The fact that this ticket is such a hot selling ticket, like it's crazy. We created this thing. So yeah, it feels good. Yep, it feels empowering. And, uh, now the show right. can't sell. No, it's gonna be. Good. It's gonna be a good show. Damn, oh, it's kind of hard to, to put words show. into how we all feel, but. Uh, I think we're all happy and excited. We're all in. Bro. I hope everybody who wants a ticket gets a ticket, though. I really do. That was the whole point of this, right? So. Yeah. They sold out in thirty minutes. Yeah, thirty minutes. 30 That's all minutes. it took. So. That's the reason why we had to go through StubHub because we we tried, we tried. <laughs> Every everybody tried. Yeah. Everybody was stuck in that fucking virtual waiting room. Couldn't even get them on the phone. Yeah, it was it was uh it was pretty horrendous. Yeah. I know I know Matt and myself tried for the better part of two hours. Yeah, trying to get tickets. So we just finally decided, screw it, we'll pay the extra dough. We're it's worth be it there. to us. Oh yeah, for sure. definitely. You know, because you gotta look at it this way. If this is if this is the only all in. We were at the only all-in. This is the first all-in. We're at, we're, we're at, at the, the first. first. So, you know, that's that's a huge, huge moment for, for professional wrestling. I'm just, I'm, I'm honored that I get to be a part of it. The, the 20 by 20 crew will be a part of all-in. And we're going to have so much coverage coming at you uh, leading up all the way to September 1st. I wish more people had that attitude towards it. There's a lot of people online who are kind of being dicks about the fact that three guy, three three independent wrestlers, you know, made this happen, yeah, and, and that it's not some big 
giant corporation doing it. I, I don't get it. I've come across a lot of different fans from a lot of different attitudes and places. It kills me. Like either either you like wrestling or you don't. If, if it if it bugs you that much that something like this is going on, then guess what? You don't like wrestling, or I should say, you don't love wrestling. Yeah, I mean, this is this this is right here. This is exactly what professional wrestling is all about. It's whatever the product is. It's getting the the the, the fan support, the buzz to again fill it out of twelve thousand. Sorry, excuse me, ten thousand person arena and the the amount of time that they did because they're excited about professional wrestling and keep in mind you don't know the card there's only one match booked for this thing so far we have no idea what this card is going to be we have no idea who's even going to be competing with the exception of you know more you know the the ones that are who are heavily involved they're more likely will be competing that night but other than that you don't know you have no idea what to expect from this other than the fact that you know that three guys put in so much time so much money so much effort and more importantly so much heart and soul into a show that you really don't care you you have so much faith in them that you you say i'm all in as well that's that's what it's all about i was really shocked to hear that the nwa is a part of this billy corgan throwing his hat in into the yeah into the situation his nwa heavyweight champion nick aldis will be defending against cody at all in i'm i'm pretty damn excited this I know a lot of people out there are so against NWA right now. You know, they're they're in quite the rebuilding process. I get that. As far as that heavyweight title goes, you got to give them credit for what they're doing. It's it's going to be a long, long road for that title to regain the prestige that it once had. Yeah. This you know you got to keep in mind because a lot of people are kind of confused about this. I'm going to put it out there. Number one, this the whole situation with this world title. None of this is. Built Corgan's fault and I think that's a a common misconception amongst today's fans number two are there better wrestlers out there to hold that title other than Nick Aldis probably but for for the situation and for who they have on their roster Nick Aldis is is probably their best bet at this point I think it's safe to say that we'll see Cody take that belt come September 1st because let's face it Billy Corrigan would be shooting himself in the foot if if that didn't happen especially if they want the NWA to keep growing what better way to grow it than with a second generation or third generation wrestler who has quite a legacy attached to him and I also read too that would be the first time for that title yes so So I, I can almost guarantee that win if it doesn't happen Still, it's it's still a part of wrestling history that's going to happen September first, right here in uh, in Chicago or Chicago Land, I should say. What I hope doesn't happen is we're watching No Mercy two thousand two currently right now, and and we'll we'll tell you why exactly we're watching this this program in here in a second. The middle rope collapsed middle of the the match. Jericho is about to do a moonsault, and he realized it thankfully. And <laughs> still did the moonsault on the top rope, but they had the uh, again middle rope was completely gone. So hopefully we don't have that kind of malfunction all in. Yeah, but, that that would be great not to happen. <laughs> yeah, but uh, no, a- absolutely. And with Cody being the the type of draw that he is, obviously because oh it happened there via a uh, line salt, so it completely snapped on Chris Jericho. The type of draw that Cody is, obviously because you know he 
was one third of all in as far as the group that put this together. Obviously, he's a huge draw, but what he brings to the table with the, the NWA World Heavy Championship with Ring of Honor and New Japan Pro Wrestling, you know, that title can see the world at a more quicker rate than, yeah. than what you would have with uh, what you have right now. So, uh, yeah, it, it would totally make sense. I would hope that they put this match together and for the for the fact that Cody should take that title from Nick Aldis at All In. And you know what? This is not a knock on Nick Aldis either. No, not at all. Um, again, for those of you who are not familiar, you do have Nick Aldis doing his 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 challenge right now. Twenty two bouts in thirty days. He's up there. He's either close to being done or, or done. I think his most recent title defense was or at least one of the most recent title defenses was against Cole Cabana, and that happened in China. So they're really pushing the hell out of that title as much as they can with whatever they have. Again, huge rebuilding process. I'm probably going to get a bunch of heat for this, but, you know, big thank you and big props to Billy Corgan for help making this happen. Absolutely. Last week on the episode, we talked about, we finished the show with a little WWE back and forth because of the whole co-branded pay-per-views that are coming up. We were discussing the situation with all of their title belts because now they, you know, they have SmackDown titles, they have Raw titles, all these exclusive titles to each brand, and now they might be forced to condense them, and you and I were talking about the supposedly, or it's seemingly looming, condensing of rosters again, and brands, like the brand extension might go away again. And and the more we talked about it, uh, there was there was one one bit of WWE history that uh, Matt and I are, are pretty emphatic about, and that is the time the Intercontinental title got retired. I have got a message for all the boys in the back. Uh-oh. For all the fans, for all the writers <laughs> that said that I did not deserve to be handed the World's Heavyweight Championship. I've just got one thing to say to you all. Screw you! Whoa! Well, that's like he is disrespectful to everybody. Big shot. He's very deserving now. Isn't he? I have defeated every single person that has stepped in this ring with me. And after last night, I ended 23 years of intercontinental title history. That's an accomplishment. I do what I want to do when I want to do it, and there is not a damn thing that anybody can do about it. And the reality of it is, Nate, the reality of it is, I can do it because in this world, I am untouchable. Wow. Nate. I know Nate. And not only am I deserving to be the world's heavyweight champion, I damn well might be the greatest world's champion of all time. Arguably? You gotta argue with that, JR? Well, not tonight. As weird as this sounds, it did happen, folks. <laughs> it happened in October of 2002. 
At No Mercy. At No Mercy, uh, one of their pay-per-views. Which is why we're watching this. Uh, and yeah, that's what we have on the background uh, here on the WWE Network. Again, if you don't have your subscription already, come on, what are you waiting for? 20x20crew.com slash podcast slash WWE Network. That's all one word. October 20th, 2002, At No Mercy, Triple H defend, uh, defeats Kane and unifies the World Heavyweight Championship with the Intercontinental Championship thereby deactivating the IC title. And this all happened in Little Rock, Arkansas, of all places. Of all places, yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Little Rock for a piece of uh, history there. Yeah, definitely not the first town you would kind of associate with such wrestling history. Yeah, this was a big deal, or, or at least in hindsight, it's a big deal. You're talking about a title that was around for over 20 years. 23 years. 23 years. 23 years it was around before this happened. 1979 was when the title came about. In one night, you erased that entire history. That's insane. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And it's not just any title. It's not just any title. I mean, the, the who's who that used to be a former Intercontinental Champions. I don't know the exact numbers, but I'm sure WWE has said it many times and there's weird statistics that they, they throw up on the board, but many Hall of Famers that are, are in their WWE Hall of Fame, again, former Intercontinental Champions. So it's not just any old throw run-of-the-mill title. It was it had, it had the prestige. And you know what? There's a lot of back and forth in the internet wrestling community, I, I guess we can call, call it. Critics, pundits, fans, all these people have an opinion about this belt uh, as to whether or not it was the quote-unquote workers belt meaning you would have those those class of wwe or wwf superstars who kind of carried the cards and did did a lot of the heavy lifting for the company have this belt at one time or another over the years and through many of interviews and and podcasts and shoot interviews come to find out there was it's all a matter of opinion that this this isn't something that vince said you know hey this is going to be our worker belt it was never like that yeah it just became synonymous with all these great wrestlers because of the prestige and the situation associated with the belt. So it was never it was never meant to be viewed as a worker's belt intentionally. I always yeah, I for me growing up, I always looked at the Intercontinental Championship as the title that all of my favorite wrestlers had because you had you look at a guy, you know, I'm looking at some of these right now, Cody Rhodes, you know, you have Tito Santana, a, a Razor Ramon these are guys that never held the world title, but definitely should have at some point in their career. The Intercontinental title was always that, that belt that it was like, here is the second tier title. This is where you'll never be, at this point, like like Randy Savage prior to Hogan leaving to go make a movie. You'll never be world champion, so here's the Intercontinental title. Continue doing what you're doing for us. When I was a, a young young boy ages ago <laughs> all the all the guys who held that belt i i also viewed as the workers of the company the bret hearts the macho man randy savages kurt hennings kurt hennings uh, all those guys were were my intercontinental champions and you as a fan at least from my perspective you couldn't help but think that way like this was the title that inevitably was the stepping stone to becoming world heavyweight champion yeah whether or not that always happened wasn't a different story i always felt that as a fan like well hell if bret hart has the the intercontinental championship he's next in line or he's up there for a title shot and possibly a title reign 
Right. That's the problem that I have with, with them taking the title away. It's what do you do now? What do you have? Because now you have the World Heavyweight Championship, which is, again, held by Triple H. And then you have a tag team title and a women's title. But what about the rest of those individuals that are on your card? And again, you're talking about a brand extension here. So obviously, if you're doing two different shows in one company... Your, your roster is pretty pretty big. So therefore, it, it just seems that you really put yourself in a situation now to where if you're a story writer that looks at titles as props, that's fine. We've talked about how I feel about on the show. If that's how you view titles, fine. But now you have one less prop to work with. Now what do you do? And it wasn't like the rivalries were, were worth a damn at that point. So it just made sense to have an additional championship to fight over. You would think that, but uh, when this title got retired i recall an interview with eric bischoff yeah where he basically stated he ran the idea past vince mcmahon it, it was more or less like hey let's do this to kind of stir the pot and shake things up and that was the only real reason behind this happening that to me that's such a shitty reason yeah, that's, for, that's, for this to happen that's but so terrible that's the history of it folks that's all it was was Let, let's like, shake things yeah, up yeah let's get some ratings out of this we're just going to get rid of the title we're going to hand over the old WCW, the big gold belt. We're going to hand that over to Triple H. He's not going to have to fight for it. We're just going to give it to him. That was done in September. And then the next month he retires the Intercontinental title. Yeah, and then and, uh, <laughs> the whole reason Triple H he was just given that belt was because Brock Lesnar at the time signed to the opposite brand. And that made him exclusive to Raw. So Eric Bischoff was like, hey, I need a fucking heavyweight champion on my brand. And so that's this was his answer. For those of you hating on Bischoff for this, you can only hate him so much because at the end of the day Vince McMahon had to say so yeah so this ain't WCW anymore so <laughs> you know it's it's the uh the Vince Russo approach there's a filter and obviously Vince thought it was a good idea and <laughs> that, it's just crazy it's crazy to think Prerogative, and she can have her match with the Undertaker and Brock Lesnar 
at Unforgiven, that's fine. Because the world knows who the real number one contender is, don't you? That's right. He's the man that proved and convinced The Undertaker right here on Raw that it's much better to jump to SmackDown and be a big fish in a little pond than it is to swim with the sharks on Raw. Wow. There you go. Ladies and gentlemen, may I introduce to you the real number one contender, Triple H! So, as we're doing this episode, we're actually going to talk about the World Heavyweight Championship reign of Triple H during this time, because technically, that belt, again, was unified with the Intercontinental title. It's in the briefcase is what I'm wondering. Money, he's gonna give him, he's gonna give him my money. Wait a minute. Look at this. Triple H, you may recognize this world championship because you were the last man to officially wear it. It's been worn by some of the greatest champions in the history of this industry. And now, Triple H, it will be again, because, ladies and gentlemen, your new world champion, Triple H! What? Good God, what a... Now, this is an historic moment here on Raw. Triple H has just been awarded the heavyweight championship of the world. Well, he... You heard what Eric said. He was officially the last man to wear that championship belt. This is... This is, uh, this is unprecedented, isn't it, JR? It is a historic moment. It is a shocking moment here on Raw. Triple H just, just awarded the, the world's heavyweight title. We've seen a new world champion crown here in the first five minutes of the show. Yeah, Eric. So everywhere he went and defended the world heavyweight championship, the big gold belt, Technically, he's got the IC title with him. So again, this all started officially uh, October 20th in Little Rock, Arkansas, where Triple H defended the title against Kane. <laughs> I've never seen this before. <laughs> How high is you? Again, we're watching <laughs> No Mercy from 2002 on the WWE Network, and we're pretty mesmerized with Rob Van Dam doing the <laughs> the Ric Flair strut back and forth. That was pretty funny. Yeah, so th- this again, this all started in October of 2002. Triple H would go on to defend the World Heavyweight Championship successfully six times from October 25th of 2002 all the way through almost the middle of November, November 10th. They were all house show matches against Kane in different different cities, and all these matches were wins by disqualification. So no clean wins for the for the champ. I, I don't know how I feel about that, because the typical attitude behind a, a champion winning clean is that he's... He's over, yeah. you know? So I don't understand why they wouldn't let him win clean. Again, I'm not in the booker's head here, nor do I choose to be at this point. But it's just weird. Uh, Why not just have Triple H go clean over Kane? And the house show, too. Yeah, instead of doing, um, you know, six fucking DQ wins. But I digress. Um, (laughs) I never understood that real quick here about, about house shows. I understand... They're non-televised. That's why they're called house shows. But the, uh, real quick, for anybody that, that does woos for uh, Ric Flair. Flair, please get rid of that H 
All right? It's not who, it's woo. There's, there's no H in there. <clears throat> that always bothered me. That was always a pet peeve of mine. Not that there's many woo signs anymore, but yeah, it always it always just ticked me off. That's another thing that's not around anymore. Just signs in general. Signs we, in we, general. We don't yeah. get a whole lot of signs anymore. Nah, well they're not allowed to at WWE shows. But even like uh, we went to Ring of Honor, it's it's I was one one sign. It was for Todd Sinclair. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, when, going back to the house shows real quick here, the fact that you do the same exact thing every single night, it's got to be god awfully boring. I mean, as, as a performer, you're you have no limitations really. You maybe a few, I should say. Uh, why not? Why not mix it up? Obviously, Kane's not going to win the title, but why not mix it up? Uh, you know what? I think that's the only thing that might have happened here, and, and maybe that's why they had the dis- all disqualifications here is because each night, yeah, a disqualification happened, but it happened differently. Yeah, it's, so that's fair, I, I guess. That's, that's the only thing I could think of. I mean, we because it's house shows, we're not going to know, so I, I guess that's a, a fair point. But I don't know. I, I if, I'm, if I'm a professional wrestler doing house shows, I'm definitely going to mix it up. Speaking of mixing it up, we're going to take a quick break here and uh, hopefully mix up some, some bill payments. How about that? <laughs> that was really, a really awesome segue on my part. Stay tuned. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. I can't tell you what to do. I can't tell you what to wear. Hell no, I'm not better. Well, you better get but I am smarter. I'll bow to the masters. The masters over at Rays. Rays will hook you up with all kinds of discounted gift cards for your favorite places to eat, for your favorite places to shop online and in store. They have any place you could possibly think of, and they even have discounts on ride sharing services like Lyft and Uber in case you guys need to make it to a show. So hop on over and support the show. Support your 20x20 crew. Visit us for more information on raise and discount gift cards over at 20x20crew.com slash podcast slash raise. That's R-A-I-S-E, 20x20crew.com slash podcast slash raise. And we got two words for you. Save money! We are back. Thanks for sticking around. And as we mentioned earlier, we're watching No Mercy 2002 from October 2002. And we're talking about the Intercontinental Championship going away after a 23-year reign, if you will. And we're about to watch that match. I don't know if I've ever seen it personally, to be honest with you. Uh, This is post-Cheater Box Day, so I wasn't really getting much WWE pay-per-views at the time. But anyways, the match is Kane versus Triple H. Kane is the Intercontinental Champion. Triple H is the World Heavyweight Championship. This is a title unification match. And, spoiler alert, Triple H wins, unifies the titles. And as we mentioned earlier, he goes on to defend it uh, throughout the early months of November. Is that right? Yes. Uh, Uh At house shows against the same guy, against Kane. And this would lead, and correct me if I'm wrong, but this would lead to his title defense at Survivor Series in November of 2002. Yes, November 2002, you had the Survivor Series Elimination Chamber match. The inaugural Elimination Chamber match, I believe. Yes. Uh, 
This involved Rob Van Dam, Booker T, Chris Jericho, Triple H, Kane, and Shawn Michaels. Yes. Um, it took place in uh, good old Madison Square Garden, New York, New York, on uh, November 17th. And Michaels ends up uh, winning, winning the Elimination Chamber match. That was the main event that night. And Triple H gets carted off after the event straight to the emergency room, or, or I should say hospital. I wasn't there. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I do remember this match being a mess. Uh, not that it was a bad match per se, but I just I just remember being a mess of a match. And if you go back to, to hear from anybody talking about it, it's it's it was no surprise that it was a mess of a match because nobody knew what the hell was going on with what to expect as far as the structure of of the the chamber. And you know what that that is something you hear time and time again um, in different interview, interviews from different people. Matches like this, in in uh, years past, they would do that. They would they would take the time and and have like practice matches, you know, right. at house shows, things like that. If they were going to introduce some sort of new structure or what have you, or or some new format, they didn't get that with this. So this was uh, this was new to everybody, and uh, <laughs> you could tell. You you could definitely tell. Much akin to the. The first women's elimination chamber match um, that recently happened. Right. So, um, but I, <laughs> I think they fared a little bit better, obviously because they were, you know, they've they have been seen the structure over the years as right. opposed to being introduced to it completely brand new for the first time. Well, because if, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, they didn't see the actual structure to the day of. Right. So they had blueprints to go off of. <laughs> and even, I, th- I believe even those changed after, during the, the making of the actual structure. So when you start dealing with, with high spots too, and you'd have no idea what you're dealing with, uh, yeah, things, you know, going live when you're not ready to go live is, can be a problem. So it doesn't, it doesn't surprise me that people got hurt. I know, I don't think any of those guys, neither, no, none of the six guys who competed, in that first elimination chair match, talked really highly about the match because it was it was a mess. It was it was definitely a mess. So he gets injured, um, courtesy of Rob Van Dam. I don't remember exactly what happened, but I know it involved um, his throat. His throat, Triple yeah. H's throat. So uh, he was rushed to the hospital right after the event. So he he did lose the title. Shawn Michaels becomes the heavyweight world heavyweight champion. And there's, uh, as far as uh, house show information and TV tapings, there's really not a whole lot going on with this belt up until basically the next pay-per-view, which was December 15th of 2002, and that's Armageddon, where Triple H defeats Shawn Michaels to win the title back, that being the World Heavyweight Championship. Uh, And that happened at the Office Depot Center in... Sunrise, Florida, or Fort Lauderdale, Florida. I believe that was a three stages of hell match, too. Basically a two out of three falls match. Yes. With each fall being something different. That's a match I would like to see more of. It's a, it definitely an intriguing uh, concept. That, uh, I mean, we see two out of three falls, but uh, to have each fall be something different, it's definitely unique. Hell yeah. Definitely a unique style of gimmick match right there. So there's not a whole lot going on with this, this title, um, which... 
is disappointing. You you unify you take twenty three years of history away, and you unify this title, and then not much gets done with it. Part due in part to an injury, but also Shawn Michaels isn't really that active at this point. Right. So, he, so what do you have on Raw? <laughs> Well, I, I mean, he tag team titles. He, well, he yeah, he makes his appearances and whatnot, and you know, he does he does have his uh, interviews and. He's already a better champion than Brock Lesnar. <laughs> That's not saying much. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you, you basically go a whole month where this really nothing happens with the with this title, and then uh, again it gets defended in uh, December of that year, and Triple H wins it back. He would go on to uh, hold the belt through January of 2003. Um, one of the notables here is Triple H defeating Tajiri in Tokyo, uh, which you can actually catch that on YouTube. We'll actually put it on our one of our YouTube playlists for this episode. Uh, there's a fan cam version. It's actually a pretty decent version, too. Pretty decent quality. So Nice. Um but yeah, that takes place in Tokyo on the 25th of January, 2003. There's a little discrepancy here because six days later, he's supposed to have a title defense at a house show. And he comes out and states that he's hurt. Now, I, I me personally, I couldn't find any information on whether this was an actual injury or he was just working working his opponent or would-be opponent, but this actually ended up changing the main event for the house show. So Triple H is no longer defending the title, and instead we get a uh, University of Alumni versus... a uh, University of Minnesota Alumni versus University of Minnesota Alumni in Brock Lesnar versus Shelton Benjamin. And what stuck out even more about this was they were both SmackDown wrestlers at the time. Yeah. On a Raw house show. I, I don't, maybe, maybe, again, this is where WWE comes in and they're good marketers. That's that's what they're really good at, is marketing. And because of the situation, you're in Minnesota for this house show and you build it up as, again, the alumni of University of Minnesota, Cheap Pops. The fans, I'm sure, probably forgot about everything that night. As far as Triple H goes, to be honest with you, I would rather watch the Benjamin Lesnar match at this at point. At that time, I'd love to watch yeah. that. Yeah, mm-hmm. of course. I mean, I love Shawn Benjamin now. I love even more then when he was in his prime or close to his prime. Uh, Brock Lesnar, though, too, was putting on a lot better matches back then, too. <laughs> Way better. <laughs> and so we see, uh, so that happens. And then he did wrestle on the 19th of January, which was shortly before this. This little gray area we just talked about. But he did wrestle at the Royal Rumble, which happened on the 19th of January, 2003. He loses to Scott Steiner. And he had he had Ric Flair in his corner. Um, Scott Steiner wins by disqualification. And Triple H retains the heavyweight championship. Happened in about 18 minutes, a little over 18 minutes, at the Fleet Center in Boston, Massachusetts. So, <clears throat> Well, he was also doing some tag matches, too, on Raw. A couple of tag matches with Batista, and uh, two two tag team matches in, in a, probably about a three week span, and they were short matches. None of them went above seven minutes. I can't tell you. I haven't watched those Raws in yeah. recently, so 
I don't know what his status was as far as a tag team match goes. If he spent most of the time, if he was more of an appearance than an actual wrestling match for him, right? So again, it's it kind of goes into that what kind of injury it is because the Tajiri match you didn't really see. No, you, I mean, on. again, we'll have that match on the playlist for this episode, and you're, you're more than welcome to view it yourself, but I couldn't tell of any injuries happening during that match. So if he did get injured during that match, it was hard telling. Yeah, my guess is it was it had to have been extremely minor, because if uh, he's putting on an 18-minute match at Royal Rumble, I mean, either that or he's on some really good meds, so... I mean, who knows? Well, yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> not necessarily out of the question. That's true. That's very true. I got to tell you, um, us watching this match during No Mercy 2002 where the belts get unified, I was commenting to, to Matt uh, on the for the Titan for the graphics for the Titan Tron or whatever. Mm-hmm. You had you had Triple H holding the big gold belt, the World Heavyweight <laughs> Championship, and then you have Kane, who is massive. And he's holding the Intercontinental title. And between the big gold belt and Kane being big, it just looks... It makes the Intercontinental title look so fucking small. Like a like a toy replica, almost. I hated that that belt, though, too. That that, that version, version, yeah. I didn't like it either. It was, it was really generic. I, I love when Cody Rhodes brought back the, uh, the white strap. And I'm glad they kept it ever since. I love the belt now. Yeah. It looks beautiful. You look beautiful. I know, I try. <laughs> Triple H would uh, eventually head back to pay-per-view and defend the title at No Way Out 2003. But about a week before that, on Raw, they ended up having a, a tribute package to the now late great Mr. Perfect, um, a.k.a. Kurt Hennig who had passed away a week before that on February 10th of 2003. You can't mention the Intercontinental title without mentioning Kurt Hennig, uh, especially after coming in, coming in as Mr. Perfect. Uh, all those vignettes uh, of him, uh, you know, the, the swat of the gum, the behind-the-back... Uh, the towel. The towel. And those, those aren't easy to do either. I, 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 every time I chew gum, I do, I do it, and I'm probably about like 500 on hitting yeah. gum. So. <laughs> you've got the, you know, the football pass. You've got the, uh, the basketball shot. The football pass to himself. To himself. To himself. Yeah. <laughs> um, you can find you can find some pretty interesting stories on Bruce Pritch- Bruce Pritchard's podcast about these because he was there producing uh at least some of those vignettes yeah uh, he would go he goes on to say that he actually had to trick kurt henning into recording these feats of greatness because henning was toying with him so what he would do was they would practice and henning would hit all of the shots all the time like no bullshit whether it be the the pool the pool ball trick or mm. the basketball, things like that. <laughs> he would get the, the towel and the gum. He would get them spot on all the time. But the moment he went, they actually went to record the actual vignettes, Henning would fuck up. <laughs> and that's kind of one of the ways he found out Henning was such a river. 
Do you do? You, uh, are you familiar with any of Henning's other ribs? And uh, you have to light me a little bit here. I think so. Oh, I was gonna yeah. ask you if you had a favorite. Oh no, I I not the top of my head. No. Okay. <laughs> Uh, my favorite is uh, when Lex Luger was in the WWF. Okay. They would um, they would wrestle each other here and there on house shows or you know uh, tapings things like that. And Luger's ring attire had these like very scale like um, pieces of fabric mm-hmm. uh, on his boots. And every time they wrestled. Mr. Uh, Lex Luger would always freak out about his appearance. You know, he was the narcissist. Yes. And so that you know, it wasn't just a gimmick. It was, you know, he was he was pretty enamored with himself, and he he cared very much in his appearance. But Mr. Perfect would every match they wrestled, he would pluck one from his <laughs> his boots and show it to him, or he would fuck with them and not pluck one. And tell him he was going to during the match, and it would it would throw Luger off all the time. Uh, that's one of my favorite ones. But uh, yeah, you can't talk about the Intercontinental Title without talking about Mister Perfect. Out of all those vignettes, do you have a favorite? I, the, the touchdown pass. The touchdown pass. That, that was always my favorite. I love the stuff you did with Wade Boggs too. That the touchdown pass pass was filmed in two separate pieces. There was no way in hell he could do that. But um, it, when he came back. And those were some of the later vignettes, mm-hmm. the football one being one of them. Um, they just went over the top with it, and were, they were doing stuff like that <laughs> just to just to make him that much more perfect. Yeah, but classic, classic stuff. I was I, I don't know how you you and I were in totally, two totally different worlds when uh, when he came back in two thousand two. Were you excited for for him to come back? And he looked okay for 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 what he did. His he, age. he looked okay. Yeah, I I was excited. I, I knew it wasn't going to be exactly the same. Because right. let's face it, no, it doesn't matter who we're talking about. When someone comes back from an injury or being gone from a company mm-hmm. for such a long time, there's just it's just not the same. Yes. You're not going to have the same effect. Very rarely does that happen. So, yeah, it was, it was bittersweet. In the very least, for me, it was nice to see him, but again, it wasn't the old. It was it wasn't the Kurt Henning of old. But uh, getting back on topic, uh, we are talking about the Intercontinental Championship, or uh, more importantly, when it got retired. Uh, still very fucking hard to believe yeah, for me. It's, it's, <laughs> a, it's such a weird. Uh, it, it just sounds bizarre. It doesn't, it doesn't come it? off the tongue nicely. It's like <laughs> the Intercontinental Title is a defunct title. That's just crazy it to just hear. Can't can't be. Uh, we're talking about uh, the month of February 2003. No Way Out 2003. Triple H, again with Ric Flair in his corner, ends up defeating Scott, Ske- Scott Steiner. Scott Steiner. Yeah, same thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he said stupider <laughs> shit, trust me. Uh, he's, he's hear him do math. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> Scott Steiner math is some of the funniest shit ever. <laughs> Um, so yeah, Triple H defeats Scott Steiner to retain the World Heavyweight Championship in a little over 13 minutes at the Bell Center in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. Hello, Canada. Yeah, hello, hello, um, to all of our Canadian listeners out there. All like two of you. (laughs) (laughs) 
So he goes on and he does that uh, successful house show run again uh, in 2003 where he has seven. He has seven successful title defenses this time. Okay. Five against Booker T and two against Scott Steiner. These take place between March 1st, 2003 and March 16th, 2003. Again, making his rounds as heavyweight champ. I couldn't really get that much information on these as, as to whether he went over clean or these were disqualifications. Okay. I don't think it matters at this point. No. But uh, it would have been kind of interesting to know, especially since they <laughs> Kane lost uh, all the, to all the Qs. That would have been really interesting to find out whether they let him go over clean against uh, Booker T or Scott Steiner. There's at least one I'm looking at. I'm not going to look them all up, but... Uh... There's one in February where he goes over clean against uh, me, Booker T. Okay. So, there you have it. And look at this house show, too, by the way. They're all singles matches. There's no title matches. And, I don't know, maybe it's just the, how, the kind of wrestling fan I am, but it's like there should at least be a couple title matches in, in every show, especially a house show, where it's... You know, it's just for fun. I get it, and you're not. You shouldn't be expecting a title change. That's extremely rare if they do, but it just adds a little more emphasis to the match. I, I feel my, my opinion on that. Definitely, I've only been to a handful of house shows, WWF house shows, and to myself, yeah, yeah. I, I'd say th- three, probably no more than four for me. Yeah, it's always cool to see a title match. Yeah, you know whether whether the title changes hands or not, it's cool to see. It's it's just added value to the to the card. Exactly. It, I mean, obviously now you you have one less title because the intercontinental title is no more. But yeah, it just it just kind of to me it just it just hurts the card a little bit. I mean, I know again, I know it's all for fun and everything, but it's nice to have those added gimmicks, if you will, if you want to call them that, in the titles. <laughs> Triple H would go on to def- well, he would go on to perform on the March thirteenth episode of Monday Night Raw in a non-title match against Hurricane Shane Helms. Um, again, I haven't watched this Raw in quite some time, so I couldn't tell you uh, what actually led up to this match, if anything. But he wins. He he wins over Hurricane on TV. Again, not for the title. So he does wrestle, but it was a non-title match. Flair's with Triple H. It's funny because Hurricane kind of pulls a Bret Hart and gives his mask to one of the kids at ringside. And Flair runs up right behind him, steals the mask from the kid, no less. And then stomps on it in front of the kid. (laughs) Hashtag support the heels. There you go. Support the heels. (laughs) Um, that leads us into April. Again, in, uh, April 2003, there's no mention of any title defenses for Triple H in the month of April 2003. But this does bring us to Backlash of 2003. That happened on April 27th. It kind of goes like this. you know, The, the, the aftermath of a six-man tag team match uh, from Backlash was a feud over the heavyweight championship between Kevin Nash and Triple H. Um, they, the feud uh, officially begins at a Raw on April 28th, the night after Backlash, um, during a tag team match for for the titles, for the tag titles, involving Triple H and Ric Flair facing Kane and Rob Van Dam, who were the current champs. 
Uh, Triple H attempted a pinfall on Rob Van Dam. Nash came down to the ring and chased uh, Triple H to the backstage area with his sledgehammer. Triple H runs uh, towards the limousine and Nash smashed the window with the sledgehammer and threw it into the limousine uh, as it took off with Triple H. Uh, the following week on Raw, the co-general managers of Stone Cold Steve Austin and Eric Bischoff announced that the World Heavyweight Championship match between Nash and Triple H would take place at Judgment Day. And then at Judgment Day, Triple H was disqualified to retain the Heavyweight Championship in Worcester, Massachusetts at the Centrum uh, Civic Center. So uh, he he continues to go on with this, this fucking title reign. <laughs> <laughs> what was... What is your opinion of Triple H as as a heavyweight champion? Do you remember any of this? I remember him being given the title, and keep in mind I'm I, this is two, late two thousand two, so I'm thirteen. Okay, I'm just a teenager, and I am motherfucking the screen because <laughs> it's like, it's like he didn't even have to do anything, you know, and I'm I'm like just. I I'm I'm completely marking out for all the wrong reasons. I just I hated it, and uh, I do remember the feud against Scott Steiner. My brother's a huge. I don't know why, but he's a huge Scott Steiner fan. <laughs> love Scott. You know, love you. I love you. Know, thank you for listening to the show. I don't know. We never really agreed on many wrestlers. He's a Hogan fan. He's a Scott Steiner fan. He's a Luger fan. Oh man! Uh, yeah, there, there you go. Yeah. So. Uh, you know, we'll just move on there. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I remember him. He went to one of the shows in early 2003 uh, when Scott Steiner was there. And uh, he was all about Steiner winning the title. And I was like, he ain't going to be Triple H. It ain't going to happen. <laughs> and um, I remember I was, I was cheering for Triple H in that sense because of the fact that I hated Scott Steiner. I do remember the rivalry with Booker T and WrestleMania. Um it's a whole nother topic, but I, I truly feel that Booker T got robbed at WrestleMania. Oh, he got buried for sure. <laughs> that's yeah, that's pretty fucking common knowledge there. So, so yeah, that's and we we should talk about that, but on another show, another episode. But uh, I and again, I do remember the Kevin Ash rivalry. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, that unless I'm thinking the wrong year, but that eventually leads to a Hell in a Cell match. I want to say a bad blood in June. Yeah, that's that sounds like a thing. I couldn't tell you right off the top of my head. I'm I, not that good, folks. I just don't remember. I think he keeps that title all the way until SummerSlam. If I'm not I, mistaken, I kept, I kept all that information in the toe that I lost. There so. it is. <laughs> it's gone. I don't know where it's at. It's in a jar somewhere. It's in the jar somewhere. Um, I think he keeps it all the way to SummerSlam, and and where he ironically loses it in another. Elimination Chamber match. That's a hell of a place to lose a toe. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think I think if my history is correct, he loses it to uh, to to Gilbert, or oh, Go- I'm sorry, Goldberg. Goldberg. Yeah. yeah sorry, Gilbert's better. Yeah, yeah. You're yeah. You're you're not wrong about that one. <laughs> but uh, I th- I send, think so. Send your hate tweets to us at twenty x twenty crew on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> just so long as there's no uh, pictures of. Goldberg's shirtless son. I am done seeing that kid without a shirt. Uh, this this title reign continues, um, but we we get to the eventual 
reactivation of the Intercontinental Championship, and that takes place on May 5th, Cinco de Mayo of 2003, at a Raw, where, of all people, Stone Cold Steve Austin, as co-general manager, reinstates the Intercontinental Championship. And we're back at it. And we're back at it. We're we're we're, we're out of this weird, bizarre hiatus. Yeah, weird eight months of no Intercontinental <laughs> title. Not to get too off topic, but uh, 15 days later, on May 18th, Judgment Day happens. Christian uh, Christian wins a battle royal, an eight-man battle royal, to crown a new Intercontinental Champion. And the way he does it was... I. I I, you know, I, I recently watched this pay-per-view again to, okay. do, to do notes for the show, but it was pretty cool. It was pretty yeah. cool. He, uh, For those of you who haven't seen it, obviously you're more than welcome to view it on the network, but what happens is uh, the ref takes a bump and Booker T throws Christian out and his music hits and everybody thinks Booker T wins, but guess what? There's no ref to view the actual elimination of Christian so Christian realizes this he gets back in the ring takes care of business and uh, waits till the ref gets back up and then he throws Booker T over the top rope what a and, slimy and, thing to do and there you have your new <laughs> intercontinental champion <laughs> uh, the With other slimy heels the other notable thing about this um, pay per view was that Hulk Hogan is wearing uh, is wrestling in a mask as Mr. America. Oh God! Yeah. And this is the actual pay per view debut of Mr. America. Yep. Uh, he comes out uh, to face Rowdy Roddy Piper with Sean O'Hare in, in Piper's corner because uh, if I'm not mistaken, at the time Sean O'Hare was quote unquote uh, his his protege. Yes. And Hulk Hogan was fighting for Zach Gowan. Yes. At the time, uh, the... Uh, the one... The kid with the one leg. The kid with the one leg, who Piper... Uh, it was obviously staged, but uh, weeks leading up to this, Piper got into it with uh, Zach Gowan at ringside. He ends up pulling him in the ring, and he goes to pull him away from the ropes, and his leg comes off. And shocked the hell out of Roddy Piper. So... <laughs> Uh, and also, really quick too, this was also the, on that same per- pay per view, Judgment Day 2003. This was also the pay per view debut of La Resistance. Solid tag team for for what they were doing. They just they never gave those those guys the uh, the chance that they deserved. One of the guys, for whatever reason, reminds me. It's got to be just the, like his facial features. He reminds me of Matt Tavern from Ring of Honor, from the Kingdom. If you remember, I think you're talking about uh, Sylvain Grenier. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Yeah, Rene Dupree and that French tickler, man. <laughs> that just got me every time. It's so stupid, but I, li- I liked it though. But um, there's not a whole lot to talk about when it comes to Judgment Day 2003. Uh, if you if you don't want to watch the, the show, you're not missing much. <laughs> uh, it's remembered most for the the bikini contest between Tori Wilson and Sable. Um, which is fun to watch, but yeah, of course. But the other than that, it's it's a forgotten show for the most part. It's it's pretty mediocre at best. But what's huge and significant about it is that it's you know we're talking about it on the fifteenth, fifteen years ago today, that we bring back 
one of the most prestigious championships in WWE history. And you can talk about the slimy heel way that it was won that night, which I'm not against. I, I love heels. And I love good storytelling, which that was. But it was bringing back the title that, in all honesty, and I'm not even saying it in hindsight, even back then in October 2002, it should have never been taken away. Yeah, it should have never been taken away. Uh, it went away for quite the shitty reason. Yeah. And it kind of just came back out of nowhere with... There was no build-up to it. Yeah, there's no yeah. build-up. An equally shitty situation. Just like, here, it's back now. Yeah. So... It's like, here, sorry. Uh, we need a title again. We need another placeholder. <laughs> um, uh, we were we were discussing the, the topic of the Intercontinental Championship in our Facebook group, uh, facebook.com slash groups slash 20x20talk. Please join. Please join. Uh, Absolutely free to you. Yeah. And you get to talk to fellow wrestling fans, as well as the 20 by 20 crew. Absolutely. Uh, we were discussing this this title, and uh, we were asking folks who their favorite Intercontinental Champion was and what version of the belt. Obviously, uh, you were talking about the, the version that Cody Rhodes brought back. And the white how strap. That shit, the white strap. Beautiful. Um, yeah, definitely a beautiful um, belt. Uh, somewhere floating around... Uh, I have pictures of me with the yellow version. Oh, okay. From years ago. Uh, I was at a WrestleMania fan access in Detroit, and I okay. got to take pictures with it. So nice. that, that was pretty cool. That was really cool, yeah. That, but, did, that one didn't last long, did it? No. It, it, did, it Early did 90s, right? Yeah, early 90s. Um, I, I don't know why it was yellow. I know, I, I, I want to assume it was either... Uh, Ravishing Rick Rude or the Ultimate Warrior. Well, Warrior had that title, so it, it, it I don't had know who to came yeah. up with it though. It had to have been the Warrior because he he ended up doing a few different colors. Okay, to to match some of his uh, ring attire setups. So, or com- the only creative com- thing he ever did. <laughs> <laughs> your your favorite Intercontinental Champion because of of the timing for me and what he brought to the table for me it's Chris Jericho hands down he had some of the best matches as Intercontinental Champion and one of my all time favorites ones would be the and it doesn't get talked about a lot and now it's because of the certain individual who he had it against but Royal Rumble 2001 uh, Jericho versus Benoit Chris Benoit for the Intercontinental title those guys tore the house down that night as, as they did a hell of a match. Yeah, as they did all you know, so many other times, you know. But yeah, it, that was that was one of my standout matches. And yeah, Chris Jericho for me it, again. It, it goes. I don't need to introduce this guy. I mean, he's obviously one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. But there was something different about him as Intercontinental Champion. Something special about it, even more so as, than him as as World Champion, whether it be undisputed or. During his uh, second coming, if you will, in, in the late 2000s, early 2010s. But him as Intercontinental Champion is some of the best matches I've seen ever. And he always stood out to me as as the best, in my opinion, amongst so many great names to choose from. I grew up with um, 
Don Morocco as my first Intercontinental Champion. He's not my favorite, mm-hmm. but that's who I started with. Uh, he actually won it for that for that period. He won it uh, January twenty second of nineteen eighty three. I got into wrestling shortly thereafter, so he was my first Intercontinental Champ. He won it at a house show, which is that's always again going back to what we were talking about house shows. That was that had to have been pretty cool mm-hmm. for them to see that that title change there. Um, my favorite is uh, the Honky Tonk Man, and I'm not saying I'm not just saying that because he's got the longest reign and he's like one of the more popular ones. It, it, for me, it's none of that. I think you and I both are not necessarily fans of streaks but for the honky tonk man what what makes him my favorite is he first of all he 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 did it as a heel yeah he wasn't a baby face and he really didn't have to do very much for the crowd to hate him <laughs> you're coming to 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 out to the ring to wrestle and you're you're a fucking elvis impersonator and you already had that against you yeah, you know, not everybody's a fan of the king, especially in that day and age of uh, you know fucking rock and wrestling, basically. So yeah, in that neck of the woods too. It, yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah. New York is not the necessarily an Elvis friendly place at the time, but um, yeah. And then when he did, when he did go in the ring and do whatever he he decided to do to get over as a heel, again, very little effort, but it went so far so quick, and. He just made a great heel champ. Um, one of my favorite matches, the Saturday Night Main Event taping, where uh, it was him against the Macho Man Randy Savage, and the Hart Foundation got involved, and Mots took a, a guitar to the head, courtesy of the Honky Tonk Man. Man, I, I I fucking love that. I lived for that saturday night's main event waiting waiting all weekend uh, for yeah. it to come and was staying up late and that was awesome awesome stuff we're just about done uh, with this episode uh, but i do have one more question for you so we just talked about how triple h unified the title with the world heavyweight championship mm-hmm. and went on to carry that unified title for months the better part of eight months on and off let's go back April 1st, 1990, WrestleMania 6. You have Hulk Hogan versus the Ultimate Warrior. Warrior goes goes into the match as Intercontinental Champion. He beats Hulk Hogan for the World Heavy or for the WWF Heavyweight Championship. And the Intercontinental title gets vacated. I bring this up for two reasons. One, in our Facebook group, I had mentioned that, those were kind of some of my favorite Intercontinental Championship moments where there was no champ. And so you either had to go through a tournament or or at least a series of matches, what have you, in order to, to get that title back. And because it was such... Because it already had prestige behind it, more often than not, the guys that were um, in the running for the title when it was vacated were pretty much top guys in the company so it was always really cool and interesting to see them vie for for an open title right uh so those are those are probably my my most favorite intercontinental championship moments but the other reason i bring it up is i want your opinion 
they did it here at WrestleMania six. The title is simply just vacated. There's no unification. Mm-hmm. How different are we? How different of a picture are we looking at if this happens between Triple H and Kane, where Kane is just forced to drop it and vacate it? so that Triple H becomes sole World Heavyweight Champion at the time. I think it makes for better TV at this point because there's something special about, as you mentioned there, with tournaments that, that bring it about. And you have you have November. You could do it certainly at Survivor Series. You want to do it quick. But it, it might be a stretch here, but you're also looking at WrestleMania season as well too. Again, that's a stretch, I, I admit. But, yeah, because back then it wasn't necessarily there was no necessarily uh, hyped WrestleMania season. Yeah, not like it is now. Right, but the, the, I guess my point is you have so many different opportunities now to to plug Raw even more. I know Vince doesn't think he has to, but plug Raw even more to where it's like okay, now we're gonna have a who's who tournament of potential intercontinental champions and it's going to culminate at this pay-per-view whatever it is that was going to be instead of having no champion because you had the one month of Shawn Michaels who I guess was making appearances but that was about it and then the rest of the time where Triple H was on again off again as far as the injuries concerned so and then you had no intercontinental champion to back it up so it's look at what the intercontinental championship is today you have no universal championship; doesn't exist most most weeks. So, <laughs> fuck. So you have the Intercontinental Championship. Uh, it just it main evented this uh, this past week's episode of Raw. Again, that's that's your that's your title to to kind of say, hey, we still have legitimacy here. So that could have been a big deal for really a, a bad time for for Raw. The late 2000s, early 2002, early 2003. And a lot of it, I'm not saying all of it, but a lot of it is because you took away something that was so special and now there's nothing to fill that void because you have two champions in that time frame and not one, neither one of them are really doing a hell of a whole lot to push that title, especially for the first three months of it being gone. After WrestleMania six, when Warrior vacated the title, they held the tournament. They held the tournament, yeah. And uh, again, definitely one of my favorite times to watch the the Intercontinental title action going on. Uh, the tournament culminated uh, not quite a month later, about 20, 21 days later, in Austin, Texas, at a Superstars of Wrestling taping where Mr. Perfect defeated Tito Santana to win the vacant title. So I'm, I'm right with you. Such a lost opportunity to yeah. take such a, a prestigious title and utilize it uh, more properly. Even if it was considered a prop by whoever was in, in charge of booking or production, um, yeah, hell of a wasted uh, opportunity. Well, my, my, my thing is when you, for any wrestling company, any wrestling company that has... A significantly big roster. Some leaving some of the smaller companies, uh, promotions out, uh, indie promotions out uh, out of this. But you look at a Ring of Honor. They they don't have an intercontinental title, but they have a television title. You have New Japan Pro Wrestling. They have an intercontinental title. They also have a U.S. title now, and they have the Never Openweight Championship. As far as their heavyweight division is concerned, 
you know, you had WCW. They had United States Championship at the time. You know, ECW had a television title. My point is, having secondary titles is good for the business. It's great for the business. Whether it be a stepping stone for, like, when Stone Cold was the Intercontinental title champion, and then he basically (laughs) threw it away, (laughs) quite literally, (laughs) threw it in some water, Um, and then went for the the world title, eventually become world champion. Never looked back. Or, you know, it's, again, the worker's title, where you have a guy like Mr. Perfect. You have, I'm looking at some other names here. You know, Bret Hart, who, yeah, he ended up becoming world champion. I get that. Shawn Michaels, too. But British Bulldog, Roddy Piper, you know. Tito Santana. Tito Santana, yeah, exactly. You know, how, no matter how you feel about him, the Honky Tonk Man. Rick Rude. Never, yeah. never won a world title, but they were Intercontinental Champions. And they were some of the best matches to watch on that card because it was great wrestlers. Didn't matter if they were the heavyweight champion or world champion, whatever you want to call them, but they they had this prop, if you will, and it meant something. And that's what's important about any title. It has to mean something. And when it left, even in 2002, it still meant something. That's why it was so hard to digest, taking it away, because it's it's like taking something that you know. Oh, you know, we 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 appreciate you today, but now tomorrow the hell with you and it's just it doesn't make a whole lot of sense and you know i can keep going on this list of guys who never won world titles but former intercontinental championships like the prestige is so goddamn high and it it deserves a spot in the, in the wwe and it just it's it's shocking to me still at 15 years later that we're talking about an anniversary of it being brought back because i still don't know why it was ever approved to be taken away in the first place. Yeah, just bad call, bad call on Vince's part. But uh, there you have it, folks. That is the time the Intercontinental Championship was deactivated and became defunct. Again, still sounds so very fucking bizarre. It's like one of those weird episodes of 30 for 30. What if I told you the Intercontinental title was taken away for no reason? It's like, I gotta watch this show because that makes no sense. It happened. It it, it happened. And it's, it's one of those things that doesn't get talked about a whole lot anymore, but it's a legit thing, unfortunately. On that note, we're gonna wrap up the show for this week. Uh, we thank you for listening. As always, thank you for your support. Again, if you want to support the show, visit us over at 20x20crew.com. You can uh, you can obviously listen to our podcast there. You can download uh, past episodes. This is episode 13, so you've got a whole dirty dozen of listening for, for your enjoyment up there on the website. Uh, you can catch us on Twitter at 20x20crew, on Instagram at 20x20crew. Uh, Facebook, facebook.com slash 20x20 is our page and you can uh, again talk to us talk to us in our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash 20x20 talk we need subscriptions on YouTube yes, for those of you who still YouTube and and, uh, peruse peruse hours and hours of video like uh, Matt and I do from time to time there's tons of fucking wrestling on YouTube these days. Uh, classic wrestling, too. Hard to find shit. That's the best part about being having YouTube right now. Yes. But uh, 
we're on YouTube as well. Go ahead and subscribe to us. You can find the information on our on our website at 20x20crew.com. But definitely hit that subscribe button on YouTube for us. We need all the help and support we can get. You can also help us out by getting yourself an Amazon Prime subscription. I don't know how many times i got to hawk this thing, folks, but we get a little love for you signing up. You can cancel right away. Otherwise, take advantage of the 30 days. And cancel to, anyways. And cancel anyway. It won't cost you shit. It won't cost you a dime. And we still get the, the financial support from Amazon for doing the show. It's risk-free, ladies and gentlemen. And you get all kinds of wrestling. USWA is on there. Classic Memphis Wrestling. PCW Ultra. Those are just three, to name a few. Yeah, there's more out there that we, we haven't even dived into yet. There's definitely more out there. All free to watch if you have a Prime subscription. Hours and hours of, uh, of video footage uh, from, from wrestling moments past. Uh, quality shit, too, mind you. Yes. So, definitely, uh, please take advantage of stuff like that. Have have a ball for 30 days on us. That's, that, that's all I'm saying. And you can do that over at 20x20 Crew. Dot com slash podcast slash Amazon. Please continue to support the 20 by 20 crew. As always, support professional wrestling of all kinds. Hashtag support the heels. Hashtag support the Intercontinental Championship. Oh, shit. There you go. Don't don't take it away from me again, please. <laughs> Hashtag support the baby faces. Support, yeah, those guys too. Support your 20 by 20 crew. And until next week, I am Joe, he is Matt, and we will see, see you, you in, in the, the ring. ring. As your new work, no, hold on. Wait a minute, wait just a second, is right. I wonder what, well, there's Nature Boy Rick Flair, and you gotta wonder what he's doing out here. You're exactly right, I do wonder what he's doing out here. He got, quite frankly, he's got no business out here right now. He's like, this is ruining us. I mean, you got to admit, Jared, this was a, a wonderful, touching ceremony. They might not be running it. You don't know that. Well, in my opinion, just this mere presence ruins it. He interrupted Triple H right in the middle of mid-sentence. The new champion. This ain't all about you, Flair. Hurry up. Hey, like everyone else, if Lesnar refused to wrestle on Raw, the title he's wearing is most definitely disputed. I agree with that. And I think that the biggest wrestling company in the world, I'm talking about Raw, your company deserves to have its own world champion. Without a doubt. And you know what, Eric? I'm even inclined to go as far as say, as you may be the man. After all, you wore this. You're the first. You wore it. You defended it. And everybody says now, Triple H is the man. I got no problem with that. The problem I have is that you wore it once I wore it 16 times. And that, folks, is a fact. Yeah, so what? He came out here to say that? And nobody 
gift wrapped it, brought it out here in a gold Halliburton and gave it to me. I won it right here by busting my ass right in the middle of this ring. That's a good point, King. Bled, woo, sweat, and paid the price of a wrestling lifetime. So what I'm saying to you and to you is, I think you need not to just put that over your shoulder tonight. You need to earn the right to wear it out that door. Hey, you know what? He may be onto something. For the first time in a long time, you and I definitely agree. But this isn't like SmackDown. We don't need some bogus series to determine who gets a shot. We're going to make that match right here tonight. First time in history, mind you, here on Raw. Triple H, the world champion, faces the nature boy, Ric Flair. Wait a minute. Now that's what you call a main event. And that's some more history. The first time ever. What are you thinking? I think that it would be an honor and a privilege. Wow. Sounds like it's on to me. And I think I'm probably the luckiest man to be in this squared circle to know that I'm going to wrestle you as the first contender. I'm equally honored. Triple H, do that world championship proud. And Nature Boy Ric Flair, 17, could be right around the corner for you, my friend. Good luck to you. Oh, what a, damn! A, a cheap shot by the world's champion, just, just nailing. Just nailing Ric Flair. What do you mean a cheap shot? Everyone that came out here wanted to fight. You got to fight now, Flair. You like the way it started? First, the game thinks he's the man, but as Ric Flair said, to be the man, you got to beat the man. And what a shot! First time ever tonight, the new world champion, the game, and Nature Boy Ric Flair are going to get it on for the goal tonight.